Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. And we're going to stay committed to this idea of people not only need to be born again, but they need to be discipled into what they were born again into. What you go into is more important than what you were saved out of. And disciples are made as the truth of God's word dispels the lies that they've believed and have become imprisoned by. That's why we preach good news to the poor. Set the captives free. Open the prisons. Because lies are what hold people in bondage. And it's only the word of truth that Jesus said sets the captives free. And you shall know the truth. It is so important for us in the light of that, in the light of what renewing the mind to what happened in our born-again spirit is to the subject of discipleship. It's so important that we come to this topic every couple of years. Anna, I've been studying around the renewing of the mind right back to our Bible college days, that course you did um, with the affirmations. And then we're told, but that's humanistic. But uh, I don't know, it was just something about, I don't have to affirmate things about myself, but I can affirmate the Scripture. And as I practice those things, you, you know, it's easier to fill your mind with tr- truths than to try and empty it of non-truths. If you try and empty your mind of non-truths, it's like, I mustn't be negative. I mustn't feel sorry for myself. I mustn't be bitter. I mustn't be jealous. But then we're focusing on the very thing we say, we mustn't, we mustn't, we mustn't, we mustn't. But when we replace it with, Jesus said, that in Him I've been crucified, buried, and I'm a new creation, seated in heavenly places, I just stop thinking about selfishness, bitterness, jealousy. And, and the more, so, so this has been a journey for us. I maybe needed it more than you because my mind is more mixed up. But I do know this, that I believe that the power of God's word, when it's in our thinking and in our speaking, is the key to the renewed mind. So we're not just talking about some fine dangle pop psychology here. Psychologists only discovered how God set it up in the first place. That's all they did. They're doing a good job with what they got. But true mind renewal is so that this lines up with what happened when I was co-crucified, co-buried, co-raised up, and co-seated in Christ. And if I, I can have all the riches of heaven. I can, I can be blessed with all blessing in spiritual places. But if I don't believe it, if I don't know it, what does it profit? So the whole journey, if you like, of discipleship, one scripture at a time, as we've done over these last few weeks in this um, series on bringing our minds into agreement with our recreated spirit is very different to just trying to become a better person. It's about believing leads to living, not the other way around. So we've looked at Romans 12 too, and we've looked at Proverbs uh, 
the power of the words. We, we've looked at as a man thinks in his heart. We've, we've studied these topics, and, and I think we're, we're right through to about number eight or nine already. I'm getting ahead of myself. The words we speak are really important to the way we think. And the way we think is going to be showed up the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we want to get into the practice. In the same way it's easy to practice negativity, we can practice positiveness of God's word. And we want to surround ourselves with people who speak blessing over us. And we want to make it a practice to speak blessing over other people. Come on. We know the destructive nature of words that were spoken over people and crushed them. So why not? If we've got the options, why not surround ourselves with positive people? Renewing the mind to align with the new creation, part three. The battery's going. Being too patient. Isn't oh, the message Bible says this so well? Psalm 35, 27. But those who want the best for me, let them have the last word. <laughs> A glad shout. And say, over and over and over. Say, over and over and over. Over and over, say, over and over. God is great. Everything works together for good for His servant. Wow. You want to gather people around you? What does it say? Who want the best for me. Let them have the last word. Amen. Let them shout, God is good. God is great. And God is working all things together for good. For your life. And that's how we should be speaking over people's lives. So we've covered a lot of these things over the few weeks. And there's a, a sobering scripture here in Matthew 12. Also out of the message it says, let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation and words can be your damnation. The power of the tongue. We talk glibly about things. We make little comments and we think it's funny. But those things can come back and haunt us. I know nobody in this church. I'm talking about myself, obviously, this morning. I, I, I find when I'm bit tired or fatigued, emotionally fatigued, I can sometimes bump into somebody and, and I, I just kind of something comes out and I think, where did that come? It must have been... Something Janet told me last night because that's not me, you know. Just kidding. Shouldn't even say something like that. That was terrible. I apologize. I had to take someone out for lunch this last week to to apologize. I spend my life keeping relationships intact because you know how difficult it is to get into the word and oh I'm hallelujah, but you know you've got resent issues and stuff. So I had to take this guy out for lunch and say. Um, I acted like a real jerk. On Sunday when I stepped off and I walked to the coffee bar, you stopped me with an innocent comment, but it was, it was kind of out of timing. It's like, don't come to me just before I get on the stage or get off the stage and give me bad news. No, give me until Monday, please, man. Just give me a break. So he laughed and said, no, I understand that. I, I said, but there was still no excuse for me to be snappy. And I was snappy. So, are we good? Yeah, are we good. I said, great, you can pay for lunch. Amen. But we can be careless with our words. We can be careless how we talk to one another. We can sometimes 
just snap out the box and not bring a context to it and not, okay, all that stuff. I'm not going to go too much along that because that's nowhere near what I wanted to share with you this morning. So we've looked at the series. We've looked at Israel going into the promised land, the spies, those who came back with a negative report affected everybody. What could have taken 11 days took 40 years, and they went around the same mountains. At some stage, they had a face giants, and I'm going to leave out this next section just for time. I'll get back to this maybe in a few weeks' time. I beg your pardon. So over, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at things like, with God, nothing is possible, impossible. Say, say that. With God, nothing is impossible. Okay? Remember what I said? It's easier to fill your mind with truth than to try and focus on and concentrate on eradicating lies. So if we just continue to affirm that, that nothing's impossible to God doesn't mean we're denying the existence of problems. It just means we believe God's bigger than them. It doesn't mean we're denying the existence that there's real challenges around it. It just means we're saying, with God, nothing's impossible. So I'm gonna, you can say that. Secondly, God wants to turn this around for my good. We've got to just keep affirming that. God really can turn this Situation around for my good. Therefore, I'm expecting something good to come out of it. Does that sound like faith? You know, you, you practice these things. Thirdly, this is going to come to pass. It says over and over again in the Old Testament, and it came to pass, and it came to pass. There's seasons that in God, and ultimately we're going to stand before the throne and it all will have come to pass. But in this life as well, we don't have to get locked in one thing and feel like we are now prisoners to it. But we can say, this will come to pass. Things, remember those things that really bugged you a couple of years ago? Or those things you had a sleepless night over? You've already forgotten them. Why? Because they came to pass. So we can affirm with confidence, this is going to come to pass. Another, another one we looked at was, there's another side to my limited observation. You know, when you meet that person that's rude and you make a judgment about them, it's because you only saw it from your angle. You don't know what kind of day they had. You don't know who just died in their family. You don't know what. So we make judgments based on face value. And we've got to remind ourselves, maybe there's another side to the story that I don't know about. Yes, I see this. This looks wrong. And I'm irritated by this. But hang on. Step back and say, maybe there's another side to this that I haven't seen. like last week I, I said, most of our problems are first world problems. You want to see real problems? We'll go find real problems. But first world problems we deal with. And then I think the last one we did, we got to was, when this eventually passes over, when this comes to pass, I'll have learned a whole lot of new things to do and not to do. Amen. We can say amen to both of those. So at least when I know, this is not an easy journey we're going on right now. I don't 
particularly want to be apart from my wife. Lord, did we hear from you? God, is this the right thing to be doing? Lord, was it just a lack of faith? Oh, and I get this thought and that thought. And I've got to go back. Yeah, well, we prayed with the leaders and we got confirmation. We spoke to our apostolic covering. We got a, a, a council and, and a, we're in agreement. Nobody's red flagged us. So we're going ahead in faith with this. I don't want to be separated, but I know when we come through this, we're going to have learned things and got skills and got capacities that we didn't have before. I've got to believe that. So whatever you're facing right now in your life, and you say, this is unfair what I'm going through. How about saying, when this passes, I'll have learned a whole lot of new things. Come on. That crisis in your marriage you thought is, is the end of things. We're going to get through this. It's going to come to pass. God's going to work all things together for good. And when it comes to pass, we're going to have learned a whole lot of new things. Things to do and not to do. So, what we're speaking about here is a, a continual meditation of truth principles out of God's Word that fill our minds with light that, and dispels the darkness. You can't switch a light on of darkness and the light goes. You can only turn the light off, but you turn the light on. Dispel darkness. And as long as we're filling ourselves with these truths, meditating on them, I was thinking maybe using these as the guidelines for next term. The, each scripture, each point, something to meditate on, something to fill my heart with. Because truth has to replace lies for my mind to be renewed. And when my mind is renewed, it starts to come into alignment with my recreated spirit. And my new creation spirit has been blessed with all spiritual blessings. And once it knows that, it starts to take hold of and put a demand on what Jesus accomplished on the cross. You say, well, it's always working for others, never working for me. Or maybe they're just starting to get their minds renewed. It's not that the gospel doesn't work. It's that our minds don't line up with truth. They start believing things that are untruths. Like, well, you know, maybe it's just God's way of, you know, teaching me something by putting cancer in my brain. That's a lie. But if we believe it, it got power over us. This morning, I just want to leave you the last three of this series. And I've had to work through these. I've had to battle through these. I've had to bring, beat my own stubborn heart into subjection. You only put up with me for 30 minutes on Sunday. I've got to put up with this all week. Come on. I get out of line. And then I bang. You know, when you get into a new revelation, you're sure to get attacks in that very area. I don't wish that over you. I don't declare it. You just become more aware of it. Because there's always dust in the attic. But when you switch a light on, you see the dust. And this is switching a light on to what's going on in the dark regions of our thinking. Stinking thinking. And this urge of this time, church, is you have to start thinking away about the way you think. I have to start thinking about the way I think. I have to pay attention to the way I speak and the words that come out. And I have to repent where I have to repent. Change my way of thinking. Now, these three points are a bit different. Because they're not really thoughts, although they are thoughts. 
What do you mean, Steve? Sometimes those thoughts just come as emotions. It's like a, an unlabeled feeling. You can't get your grip on it. You can't at first categorize it. or it, It's almost a, a subconscious, um, irrational emotion that's there, and you know it's there, and it's like, Louise always used to say, like, when you get someone scratching on the back of your neck, and you just, it's like a value thing. You, you, you. But if you stop long enough, you can usually put it into words. But we don't stop long enough. For example, where am I? Self pity is one of those areas. Self pity, it's just this, this kind of, involuntary, irrational feeling that is based in me, myself, I, and poor old me, and I'm going to have a pity party, and I'm not going to invite you because I don't have enough worms to share with you. But I haven't put it into those words. It's a feeling. It's an emotion. It's a kind of when you get left out of something or something bad happens and you can just feel sorry for yourself. I deserve... I've been through some stuff now and I've earned the right to be sorry for myself. And I'm going to be sorry for myself right now. We don't even say it like that. It's more of just a a feeling. I'm sitting in the hospital with my grandson on Friday. Get a phone call. Come to the hospital. Look at that little sausage. I mean, can you believe anything so beautiful could be lying in hospital? Is there another picture? Oh, man. Oi, toch. Oi, toch, mama. Look at that little thing. He's got pipes in his nose and pipes down his throat and in his arms. And he's, oh, near man. That same little boy that was running around here now. Okay? So it looks a lot worse than it really was. He had a stomach infection. And the pipes were to feed him and test him. And his hands were bandaged up to the elbow so he couldn't rip all these pipes out of his body. But when I sent that picture to my family, (laughs) and I sat there and I thought, you know how many kids have fallen into fires? Bandaged. How many kids have fallen and broken both wrists? Plaster of Paris. How many kids have have had terrible things happen? And and, and not just a one-nighter like we did, but we're weeks and months. and, And I just sat there and I thought, You know, it's so easy to live in self-pity when you're not thinking about the struggles of other people and looking for ways to assist them. My third point. Think of someone you know is going through a struggle and do something to help them. Look what 1 Peter 5, 8 says about Satan's attack in your life. Satan's evil darts. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. So we see right there that to overcome this emotion, if we're honest about it, of self-pity, when we stop and analyze it, I'm just feeling left out and hurt and ignored and I'm really feeling sorry for myself is to remember that my brothers all over the world are going through. Right now, there's serious persecution taking place around the world. 
more, I heard a statistic that in the last 10 years, more Christians have been killed for their faith than in the last 1,000 years. I don't know how accurate it was. A TV preacher, I've heard that statistic. I haven't checked it out. But, but who knows? And not only that, people in general are going through stuff. It's tough out there. It's hard. And when I just pick up the phone and give somebody an encouraging word, that lifts self-pity. When you're standing in the line, I was like the other day, and I was, I was short of change. I only had 100 rand notes, and I needed two rand. The lady behind me said, yeah, I've got just two rand. I felt so warmed inside, humbled but warmed. And I thought, you know, if we just want to look out to help people, we'd stop being all about me, myself, and I. you've got a prophetic word for someone do something to a stranger put an envelope in someone's pocket quickly changes this self-pity emotion because everyone else's life out there looks great until you get to know them people are going through stuff we'll just tease Janet this is my can I reveal some of my own battle with self-pity? Will you keep it just between us? Janet, you won't use this ammunition. Okay? Just between us, babes. Don't I go tell the whole church, okay? I say I want to come back in my next life as one of the grandkids. I want to come back in my next life. I- I'm telling you, they sleep over the weekends. They've just got to wake up thinking about baking and eggs and Jenny's in the kitchen cooking. Just thinking about it. My narrative, I have to leopard crawl to the nearest wimpy to get bacon and eggs. It's like, okay, well, when are, I'm not going to get a moment here. I know, I'm not going to end the pecking order. Roxy, our dog's dead, so she's be gone now. I'm at the bottom of this tail now, and I'm trying to get in and get past the grandkids, grandchildren, children. I I might be slightly exaggerating. But self-pity can sneak in there. Best remedy, find something to do for somebody else. All right. Next one. Here's an emotion that often comes of, it can just be being angry with a person or when you go into a certain place, you get a, a negative, like a, a bitter feeling that, that you know there's unforgiveness lurking there, but you just haven't processed that anger properly. Here's the great one. Because I have been forgiven so much, I can forgive quickly. Come on. Colossians 3 verse 13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever. Whatever grievances you may have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You've been forgiven much, come on. You know that. You know those moments when you're hurt by somebody. It stings. And we're human and it's sore. 
But when we compare it to the 100 billion trillion that we were forgiven, that little 37 cents is not such a big deal after all. Keep it in perspective. Yes, what they said was ugly. Yes, you didn't get that promotion and you know why. And it wasn't fair and it wasn't right. And yes, you know that your mother-in-law keeps making horrible comments about you. But come on, forgive and forgive quickly because people aren't going to always say the things we want them to say. They're not going to always behave the way we want them to behave. And life is full of opportunities to be offended. An offense itself is not such a bad thing, but we've got to forgive quickly. As you know, well, not as you know, but as I shared on Mother's Day, my own relationship with my mom, and even as a young Christian, struggling with with unforgiveness, struggling with bitterness and memories and not processing hurt well. But there came a time when God just set me free from that. It was when He poured His forgiveness into my heart for my mother. I was relying on my own ability to forgive her, even as a Christian. There came a day when I just said, God, what's going on here? He showed me, compared to His forgiveness, who was I to hang on to these issues? And suddenly, waterfalls of tears and a freedom that I know was a work of the Holy Spirit. And now I can speak tenderly about her. I can look at pictures and not feel any bitterness and anger. Janet knows. She knows all the details. But not forgiving somebody is like drinking poison and thinking they're going to be injured. It's for your sake. God says, I plead with you. As you've been forgiven, pass that same forgiveness onto others. There's a little reading here. If you've ever read John Bevere's book called The Bait of Satan, this was one that I think was very much quoted. It says, actually, offense itself is not deadly. But if we pick it up and consume it and feed on it in our hearts, then we have become offended. Offended people produce much fruit, such as hurt, anger, outrage, jealousy, resentment, strife, Bitterness, hatred, and envy. Some of the consequences of picking up offense are insults, attacks, wounding, dividing, divisions, separations, broken relationships, betrayals, and backslidings. That's pretty strong language for a man who understood. Bob Mumford was another one who taught a lot on not being offended. And those truths need to still be articulated and taught. And we've got to, that principle of I forgive. I've been forgiven so much, I forgive quickly. You can't spend years. Remember in NCMI, Dave, I don't know if you ever heard that 30-second rule. Someone comes, oh, this one did this, and this word, and this elder did this, and that. Okay, you've got 30 seconds starting now to get over it. That's real hearty, warm counsel for pastors, eh? 
But it's true. It's something we have to do quickly. I'm over my time. I'll give you the, I'll give you the last one. Mm. This was the meaty one. But Terry took up all my time. I don't need to run from God. I need to run. You see, here's the problem. When we have this emotion of, of, of worry and anxiety, it's hard to put your finger on it. You just know that, oh man, you know, is this going to be sorted out? Is that, uh, is that still leaking? Is this still, you know, the, 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 that payment been made? Is it, are the doors locked? And I haven't phoned this one. I haven't done this. One. And, and you don't even put it into words. But soon your spirit gets filled with anxiety. So if the first one was self-centeredness and the second one was offense, and bitterness, and unforgiveness. This third one has to do with the whole space of, of just, man, the, if I'm not worrying, it's not a good sign, because, because I need to be worrying about something, or else something's wrong. So if there's nothing wrong, I need to worry about that. Because I just got to, worry is my way of coping. Is there anybody who just has this, it almost feels at times your stomach's in a knot, because you just, got this anxiety and this fear. And, I mean, you go to, you go, go to the dictionary, go to on, on Cyclop, uh, Encyclopedia Botanica or one of those, uh, what's the other one, Wikipedia, and Google, how many fears are there? Oh, my gosh, thousands. There's a fear for this, a fear for that, a fear for injury, a fear for failure, a fear for being rejected, a fear for being left out, a fear to stand up in front of people, a fear. There's just, there's so much to worry about. And it's like we incubate this thing. It goes around in our spirit. We're not even aware of it. We haven't even stopped and analyzed it. We haven't even put it into words. Someone once said it's like being in a rocking chair. It's a lot of movement, up and down, up and down, but you're going nowhere. Worry is like that. And you use a lot of energy and you can exhaust yourself. Because we think we have to, by worrying, solve the problem. Because if I worry enough, I'll get enough motivation and ideas to solve the problem so I don't have to run to God with my problems all the time. Hello? Have we ever thought that God says, cast your cares on me for I care for you? But we don't say that. We don't say, I'm not going to try and solve my problem here. I'm going to run to God. I'm going to ask him what his thought is on this matter. This thing that's starting to become a fear in my life, I'm going to be single for the rest of my life, or this sickness this kid's got is going to get worse, or the way it was with my mother or my father is going to be like with me. Once those things start coming, if we don't run to God, we start worrying about them. And worrying is the absence of trust. That's all it is. But when I live with a mindset, an affirmation, I don't need to run from God. I can run to Him. There's a constructive anxiety if you're lying in bed and you hear the tap running and you can't remember if you switched it off. It's good to get up and switch it off. But that's not anxiety. That's just God's, you know, there's a healthy, godly anger, healthy, godly anxiety. 
But I'm talking about that other one that just gives you knots and ulcers. That's not from God. That's an absence of trust. He says, run to me first. Adam, where are you? Those words in Genesis. Why? Why? And Adam ran away. Adam shows up, yeah, because of shame. Instead of going straight, running straight to God, he ran straight away from God. God says, Adam, where are you? God wasn't asking a geographical question. He was asking a relational question. God doesn't ask a question without because he doesn't know the answer. He wanted to know, what's going on? Why are you running from me? Maybe someone's sitting here this morning, you, you're facing something and you're thinking, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to deal with that? How am I going to get And you're letting that worry in you become your confidence that you're going to solve your problem. Well, I've got good news for you today. God has promised to be a refuge in times of storms, a foundation on which we can build. He's promised to be an anchor in the storm. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And let's not run from him. Let's run to him. As the scripture says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. If you, imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best. How much more ready is your heavenly Father to give wonderful gifts, wonderful gifts to those who ask Him. Adam, where are you? That feeling of distance with God is a very sad place to be. I know I've experienced it times in my life. When I, I know God can't be any closer than He is. I know that here. Have you ever had that where just like the brass, the heavens are like brass, you, when you pray, it's, just, it's like solid walls that you can't pray through. And it's like, where is God in this? You know, I don't feel Him like I used to feel Him. I went to that revival meeting, I felt but I'm not feeling God. I'm not sensing Him. It's like, in moments like that, there's this, this distance that comes in. Sometimes it's just because we've just been busy or we haven't been well and we've got distracted and we haven't made it a priority to, to be in private communion, but also in corporate communion, in a place of worship around the breaking of bread, the proclaimed word. We, and after a long time out of the gym, we just feel this distance and separation. Adam, where are you? It's not time to run from him. It's time to run to him. Affirm. Affirm those words. I don't need to run from him. No matter how much I feel like I've messed up. No matter how little I've been in his presence. Regardless if for the last five years I never put my foot in a church. I'm not going to run from him. He's calling me. He's inviting me. He's saying, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will I give you who ask? Amen. Do you think this is good news for the world we're living in? Speaking about, uh, I had a, a picture 
that came about during the worship. And I thought, oh, let me share it. No, no, oh, no. You know how you argue with yourself? I was watching the little girls running around here and the little boy running around here. And then the little boy fell and his mom ran to him straight away to pick him up and cuddle him and say, are you okay? And as I watched that picture, God said, that is me with you. And I just saw like, and then that scripture came to me that if we who are parents love our children, I mean, how many of you are parents? How many of you love your children with everything inside of you? And that love is evil compared to the love that God has for you. And just, uh, okay, the scripture says that God lovingly cares for you. And we're speaking about running to God in our times of trouble, but I actually had a picture of God running to us in our times of trouble and picking us up. And we resist him. We push him away. Have you ever picked up a toddler who's hurt themselves and they resist you? That's what we do to God. Leave me alone. I'll sort it out. And I just felt like God was saying to me, I love you so much that when you fall, I run to console you, to pick you up. Beautiful, beautiful. Can we just stand up together? I believe we've sat for a long time now, and, and this word is now ministering to people, and I, I, I want to go with the flow. There were a couple of other confirming prophetic words. I think we need to hear them. I can just ask you guys to keep them to the point, to keep them short. Thanks. Uh, I, had a, I had a word before Steve started preaching this morning, and God just said to me that there are a lot of people here this morning who are in the camp of the offended. Um, never knew what Steve was going to preach on. but And I just felt God saying that it's you're the only ones that can get yourself out of that position. I just felt it was, it was affecting your lives in every way, physically, mentally, and spiritually, uh, holding grudges, uh, offenses, unforgiveness, um, and that God wants you, you to be free. But it's not for somebody to come and pray for you. It's for you to make a choice right now. And that choice is, I felt God saying, break camp and let it go. So this morning, I felt that as you do that, that wholeness will come. That uh, your whole life will change physically, mentally, and spiritually. Because at the moment, you are governed physically, mentally, and spiritually by unforgiveness. And it's you that's paying the price for it, not the person that you're holding the grudge against. And I felt God saying, going to restore health, wholeness, and relationships that have been broken for a long time. So this morning, Father, in Jesus' name, we make a choice to break camp. We're not going to remain in the camp of the offended for one for 30 seconds, not even for 30 seconds. Mm. We have 30 seconds now to break yeah. camp. And we are not remaining in this camp any longer. We choose to let it go now and see wholeness and restoration come in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Wait. I just, when I walked in this morning and I just felt such a spirit of heaviness and tiredness. And I just, I just really felt God just uh, kind of just taking me to, to Philippians and just talking about, um, I'm just going to read it out, Philippians 4 verse 6. Don't be pulled in, in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faithful requests before God with overflowing gratitude. 
Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. And I just felt there, there's stuff that's that, 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 with a spirit of heaviness. There's fear in in just like your finances, um, or just fear with security, fear in, in, in a whole bunch of things that are, are cluttering your life. And I just really felt God just saying, come. And I just also smelt a fragrance, a fragrance. And God was just saying, there's a fragrance of rest. And he wants us to strive to enter that rest and this thing of just just letting go and just handing over every every care that we have to him. And I just really felt God's just inviting us into into that throne room right now, that throne room of rest. And he also gave me this, this picture of Jesus in the storm and all the disciples. He was just sleeping. And I just felt there's a time to sleep through storms because you know you're getting to the other side. And there's a time to speak to storms. And, and I just felt God's that's, that's the difference. That's knowing what, what time it is, the wisdom. But I really felt God just wanting to give hope and peace and rest right now. these three areas we bring to you Lord there's just a you know to self pity you haven't put it into words but it's really just self pity or if it's offense you haven't put it into words but it's really you haven't processed some hurt well or if it's this last area of feeling distant and anxious. We're not going to focus on those things. We're going to focus on the God who says, as you forgive others, you will feel a freedom come to you. As you serve others and give to others, you'll find a freedom coming to you. As you run to me and always have me as your first port of call, not your last port of call, not your after everything else fails port of call, but your first port of call. This morning, we say we are those people, Lord. We are those people. We are people who forgive quickly. We are people that come running to you. And we are people that forgive quickly. We pray, I pray for my friends who gathered here this morning, that in these principles, our minds would be adjusted. That we wouldn't just hear a message like us walk out and just carry on talking the same and thinking the same without thinking about our thinking and thinking about our talking. But we'd go from this place today and say, Lord, I really am trusting you. Can we declare that together? Lord, I'm really trusting you for a renewed mind in every area of my life. That my mind will think your thoughts and come into agreement with what happened in the new creation. And my words will line up with your words what happened at the cross. And now, Lord, I just thank you for everyone as we've all percolated under the same message. 
I know, Lord, in my own life, of errors you've pointed out and things I've had to work through and things I've still got to work through. But it's taken us 30 years to get into the mess. Lord, we're not going to be impatient. We're going to continue. There was garbage in and garbage out. Now there's truth in and truth out. We declare over these next weeks and months that truth is going to replace lies. Light is going to replace darkness. Our minds are going to come into agreement with the Word of God. And our mouths are going to speak the Word of God. And Lord, You are building Your church out of vessels of clay, but vessels who are filled with treasure. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen.